Report in. Red 10 standing by. Red 9 standing by. Red 3 standing by. Red 6 standing by. Red 9 standing by. You're listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast. Laugh it up, fuzzball. Your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. This is it. He laser clickers. Welcome to the Ion Cannon Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen, and I'm joined by my friends and co-hosts, Tom and William. Today we're here to talk about Andor Season 10, ep- well, Season 1, Episode 10. We're in the future! <laughs> yeah, future. I, I can wish there was a Season 10 of Andor. Uh, we're not there yet, though. Um, but yeah, no pun today. We're just going straight into it. One way out. But first, uh, there, before we get out there, William, do you want to tell us about announcements <laughs> and things? That's, yeah, so, so some um, there's a big Andor news, actually. This is a, I think this is a first for Disney+. Plus. Um, the first two episodes of Andor are going to be aired uh, during prime time on ABC on Wednesday, November 23rd, FX, November 24th, and Freeform on the 25th. So right over Thanksgiving weekend, they are at like 9 o'clock at night, each night they are airing the first two episodes of Andor. Uh, really interesting decision. I mm-hmm. and also they're also releasing the first two episodes on Hulu for free uh, over Thanksgiving through the beginning of December as well. I don't think this has ever been done before. Has it? I I don't think so. But I I get the sneaky suspicion they're trying to get it out there so they can promote the uh, ad supported. Uh, Disney Plus, uh, yeah, Disney Plus. That's going to be offered pretty soon. Mm. That I could see, because from what I can also tell, when it comes to ratings for people who do pull ratings from streaming, it's fairly highly rated. Not like in the upper echelon of ratings, but you know, by way of an audience, uh, it's 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 pretty up there for you know audience watching. So uh, this is fascinating. That's from what I've seen. Oh, that's good. Because I, I know, yeah. like, there's been a narrative uh, that I'd heard, you know, around, oh, well, no one's, no one's, not no one's listening, but no one's watching, right? There's there's so much good. The show is so good. And it's getting so much critical praise. But it's just not getting, you know, as much, uh, many clicks on, on news sites. It's not getting as much hit views. But I don't know. Maybe that's, maybe that's incorrect. Maybe... Maybe those rumors are are false. I'm actually going to take a look for that to make sure I am right. So <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I'm gonna make sure that's there. Because I don't know. It, it, part of me, this since they've narrated this before, I think you might be right. It's nicely timed with the release of Disney Plus, you know, ad supported. But I almost wonder is is this a attempt to get more people to check out the show that is so beloved by the critics, but is not getting as much traction. That would traction. be my guess. Like, the show's, at this point, we're 10 episodes in. It's maintained its quality throughout for the most part. Um, mm-hmm. This feels to me like a bid to try and increase awareness of it. And I'd say Andor is the first one, first, even, I, I actually put this even above The Mandalorian in terms of, like, its uh, traditional TV-ness, if that makes sense, like, mm-hmm. in terms of quality level. Uh, it does not feel like a streaming show. And it would not surprise me if, as a result, they're, you know, they're pushing because they're trying to get it out there and get it seen. No, I I think that's exactly it. Um, And, you know, it's interesting in an interview with Hollywood Reporter, Tony Gilroy, of course, executive producer on the show, 
uh, creator of it, um, and of course, writer of Rogue One as well, mentioned that he's never had reviews or affirmation like this for any project he's ever worked on. Even though I think he alluded to the fact that there were the ratings may not be as good as far as like the, the, the not the reviews, but the, you know, the viewers, viewership numbers may not be as good. But he also mentioned that Lucasfilm seems pretty pleased and that they expect the show to have a long tail. And so it sounds like, you know, even if there aren't a lot of viewers right now, hopefully it's one of those shows that will pick okay. up viewers over time. Okay. I actually dug this up and it, I believe this is because of Rotten Tomatoes. It's on, it basically is ranked fifth on their Rotten Tomatoes ratings of a 92%. That's based on so, critical ratings, though, right? Yeah, the critical ratings. So yeah, yeah. so I, but I the kinda, viewership, I, I think, is the yeah, yeah, is the is the is the question. Yeah, so I apologize. I'm happy I corrected myself while I was on the air. But you got to give it props, though. A 92 percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, That's you impressive. could almost, yeah, yeah, it, it, it's impressive. But you could almost see a reason why they want to get this out on different uh, networks and streaming services because if it's pulling in that much by way of Rotten Tomatoes. Think of the other people who can grab onto it and even yeah. push it further in the actual ratings. Oh, for sure. And, you know, they've also been doing a big press tour for Andor. Um, and, and this was also kind of unheard of. Um, they were uh, actually, I think in one of the interviews, they were even talking about how it's um, they're trying new things, right? They're, they in the past, you'd have a press tour right before a show aired and that was it. And this time they're actually doing it because part of it's because it's streaming and they can experiment, but also I think it might be due to the critical success, but the, the potential rating uh, of viewership numbers lacking that they are doing a second press tour and going around again and doing a whole wave of interviews and sending out, you know, more, more screeners to get people pick, to picking up and talking about the show. And, and so we got a whole bunch of review interviews across uh, you know, uh, many, many sites with some interesting tidbits. Um, I'll, I'll just quickly caught out a few of these, but I definitely recommend you go read the full articles. Uh, our, our friend Sean Keane uh, over at CNET, um, he spoke with Tony Gilroy and a few others on the show, and they kind of talk, they talked about how we'll learn more about Luthen's past, which will be great, maybe in season two, and how the show is really trying to break new bounds. Like they weren't even sure if they could have Davo um, proposed marrying his son to Lita, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, but Lucasfilm didn't didn't seem to mind at all. Uh, and they talked about how like they intricately planned out the uh, the the prison. It's a great interview. Um, over on Slashfilm, they actually revealed that they are using stagecraft technology for this show. We thought they weren't, you know, with the volume. Um, but they are using it to augment existing sets, like the Coruscant skyline in Mon Mothma's apartment. That's actually uh, the Stagecraft LED screens, uh, but it's not the whole room. They built a real set and just augment, which is really cool to see. Um, and um, over on Hollywood Reporter, Tony Gilroy was talking about uh, the second season of the show and how Tom Bissell is going to be joining the writing team in season two. And uh, they they just had the writers' room. They just kicked off, you know, production. Of course, the writers' room was about seven days, as opposed to five to six for season one. And in both cases, they carefully plotted out the the arcs of the show to really make sure that uh, 
they could tell a great story and and were give servicing all of the characters. So uh, really, really cool. Also, um, interestingly, there was a, a comment about what they're building. And while on the, on the in the Hollywood Reporter interview, uh, they they mentioned that you know what they're building in the prison isn't as important as the scale of it, but um, uh, Hull, uh, one of the uh, who works on the show, told Polygon that they're actually uh, they will reveal what they're making, and Eagle Eye viewers may be able to make their own guesses after this episode, episode ten. So. I- I think what's funny uh, about what they were making in the prison, I think there was uh, somebody made some kind of funny comment that wouldn't it have been cruel as whatever they're building when you see it come up through the thing, they send it to a different floor and those guys have to basically take it apart. So it's basically just this real cycle of stuff. Oh, that'd be, yeah. But, but I think that got out there and I do believe Tony Gilroy debunked that completely, yeah. even though I'm pretty sure it went out as a joke. But you could almost think of something like that the empire would do just to drive the prisoners insane because they're not going anywhere. Yeah. What, what do you guys think they're, I did not catch what they're building in this episode. I, Maybe I, I need to watch no it again. Idea. Yeah. Okay. You too, Steven. I, I okay. wish I knew. Yeah. I want to know. I have yeah. to clue. Now, having read this interview. Now I want to go back and see if I can spot it. Uh, Cause I just assumed it was irrelevant eventually. It, it almost looks like for me, like a, and and I know it's complete, but it looks like they're building almost like a radial engine for an old World War II airplane. It's huge, but that's not what they're building because they're stacking them together. I don't know. I mean, God, I just don't know. I yeah. would have to go back like, like you guys, episode 10 and watch it again. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm very curious, but I guess we'll see. Um, two more notes before we dive in. Um, interesting tidbits. First, the, of course, uh, Tony Gilroy talked about how the sometimes and we know this from other shows too right sometimes financial and and constraints actually make a better show or a better movie of course we know this from a new hope right they were very constrained and as a result made a much better film um but in the case of uh in the case of andor they're very well funded overall but it's they're not overfunded and so you know, they they were like only a one or two scenes that they shot that they didn't actually use. And originally they were hoping to have like six or seven thousand extras in the valley on Aldani, but they just couldn't get that many extras up there due to COVID. And so they ended up really scaling that down and having it just be the dead enders, the 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 remnants of the of the Donnies who showed up and 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 as a result it actually kind of made for a better story. Uh and so you know, interesting, all interesting stuff there. Uh, so with that, uh, I, again, I highly encourage you to go read all of the interviews. There's a whole bunch of them. Very interesting. Uh, great tidbits. Oh, and we'll see Yavin 4 in season two. Can't wait. Which starts filming It'll... on November 21st. Cannot wait for that. So with that, Tom, what? is our way well, out of this episode. <laughs> no. Well, there, there is only one way out. Yeah, I, I get it. I get it. Okay, so we are reviewing tonight and or episode 10, One Way Out, directed by Toby Hayes and written by Bo, Bo Williman. In the episode, a rare opportunity opens and the time for Cassian and his fellow inmates is to act now. 
So we finally get to see a prison break. This, I the one thing oh, I, I, I yeah I, it it's fascinating, but I'm going to bring this up now. The one thing I find fascinating about this whole thing, I love how they explained how the electricity in the place worked. Because you know what, when you think about it, it makes sense how it, it it's in the middle of like this big lake, and it's the water that's basically just hydroelectric. I I love that because you you never thought about that until it's just like oh that actually makes sense. And that's going to play into the prison break later. I just wanted to bring that up now because I thought it was pretty cool. But, you know, yeah, the prison break in and it. of itself. Yeah, the prison, prison, prison break in and of itself was great. So what did you guys think of it? I just, yeah, I, like, I think this episode took a little longer to get to than I would have liked. Um, but boy, like, by the time, like, we get there and it's awesome. Like, yeah. I mean, fantastic. Probably one of the best episodes of the show, honestly. Oh, I agree. Well, it yeah. was. I was on the edge of my seat the entire time during mm-hmm. the, the the prison break. It was it, so good. You know, it they did that really well with the Aldani raid as well, where mm-hmm. you're just you're on the edge of your seat yes. waiting for something to go wrong. I think this tops it though, just because Aldani, there's a lot of like everything is going according to plan until obviously it's suddenly not. Uh-huh. Whereas the prison break, like there's action throughout. Like there is stuff happening throughout the episode. You you they're mm-hmm. making progress, they're getting close to you know. It's just such a great job by Toby and Bo, like writing perfect, directing perfect. Right. 10 out of 10, we can go home. Like we're done, you know? (laughs) And and I totally agree. And the one thing that made it work when you looked at Aldani, Aldani, they actually had, you know, they had to overcome basically the, the empire that was there, the soldiers that were there that were trying to defend in this one. They knew that there were two, there were so many prisoners that, the Imperial soldiers and, and guards that were there, there's no way they could fight them. And they even had that one room in which they were all sequestered. And you could tell these soldiers were just scared because they knew they were outnumbered and they're by the door. This is something I loved. Sorry. No, 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 go ahead. Because I'm going to stop right there because I want you to take it up from this point. I think uh, it was either last, last review or the week before William, we were talking and you, we, I think it was probably for the first episode in the prison arc mm-hmm. um, where Cassian goes to prison and there's that weird scene where they talk about one of the guards being late and, you know, they push Cassian in anyway. And we talked about that on the episode as they like, oh, that was kind of weird. I wonder what that's supposed to mean. Yes. Um, we now know what it means. And it's the prison very much does not have enough guards. And it's I just I really appreciated that that was such a small scene it confused us. We didn't know what they were talking about. It seemed out of place. And three episodes later, we kind of bring it back around into, no, the prison's underfunded or underfunded, undermanned, you know, whatever, whatever the root cause of the problem here is. And it lets Cassian and Kino bring it all down around their, you know, their mm-hmm. heads. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. they're they're ruling through through fear and, you know, through the threat of electrocution. And they don't actually know that there's there's hardly any guards and that's why you don't really see that many they're not really that present right it's it's more about uh scaring the prisoners into uh falling in line than than anything mm-hmm. else and and so yeah you're exactly right steven that that little scene was a hint that they have so few uh prison guards that you know they're they're rushing from one place to another just to have enough 
you know, uh, um, uh, people to cover all the jobs. And, you know, that's at the end of the last episode, Kino Loy starts to, he realizes, okay, it's time to help. Uh, it's time to help. And he tells Cassian how many guards there are per floor. And there's not many, there's like 12. Uh, and this episode is where we get the, the prison break. And we can, you can almost tell the empire knows that they're going to, the prisoners are going to escape, you know, like even though no one's listening, they know that someone died. Prisoners on another floor were upset. They had to kill everyone on another floor. And so they start, you know, ordering the prisoners to have be completely silent and on program during shift changes. And, and, and that's why they, the, the prisoners realize this is the only opportunity. They're never going to get a second chance. And that's and that's the one thing that Cassian was telling um, Kino Loy mm-hmm. when they're sitting there getting themselves basically cleaned up after, you know, the other guy was basically carted off the place. It's like Cassian's like, we've got to do this now. And you could see Kino's like back and forth going, is it time? Do I need to do this? Can I do this? Do I do, do I want to follow him? And Cassian the whole time is like, look, you know, you got to do this. You got to do this and, mm-hmm. and find it fascinating. Cassian was the first one to get himself onto quote unquote on program standing by the door, waiting for that door to go up because it was just like, look, we have to make this decision now. Kino, it's gotta be now. It's gotta be now. And you could just see up until the last second, Kino's like fighting himself until he actually gets back into the prison bay. Yeah. Well, and, and I then, also go ahead. Cassian even flips the usage of on program, right? Cause normally on program means put your hands on your head, you know, order, you know, get, you know, line up, get, you know, get ready, pay attention, whatever. Right. Um, and the first time he uses, he tells Kino Loy on program to get him not as like a, here's what you need, how you need to stand, but here's how you need to act, get on program with the, the escape. And then later he also again uses it to, you know, to, to remind Kino, no, no, like you stop thinking like it's time to go get on program or you're going to get in trouble. But it, I just love how they to flip snap him out. Yeah, but I love it, how they it's snap him out the of usage. like thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so well done. It, Andy Circus, like I, he carries this episode in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, Diego Luna does an amazing job as well. But like we talked, like we talked about Kino in the first episode, is he's kind of almost like a little bit of a villain. You know, he is the the boss of the room, and like I mean, the end of his arc here is heartbreaking. Like oh. watching him first get convinced by Cassian that we have to do this, then building up the courage and building the plan um, to the scene where he's in the room with, you know, the guards and he's delivering his, you know, his motivational speech um, and parroting Cassian's words back. Like Mm -hmm. just an amazing performance by Andy Serkis. Like absolutely genuinely fantastic. Oh, indeed. And then, and then you get the heartbreaking moment at the end where you know he he reveals that he can't swim and he oh, can't hurts. escape and he's like oh oh my gosh and, and it looked like at that one last second cassian was going to turn and try and figure something out until he's pushed over yeah and then as you know what there's nothing you could do he's mm-hmm. he he's it's every man for himself at that point and it's just such a great arc for kino loy because he knows where they are he knows he can't escape. He can't swim, but he still fights for everyone else. He knows he, he doesn't have a good chance of survival. And yet, you know, as he says at the beginning, I'm going to assume I'm already dead and take it from here. 
And that's exactly what he does. And he leads the rest of the prisoners to escape, even though he doesn't know if he'll be able to mm-hmm. survive. It's just so good. It really is. It's yeah. Do you, okay, do question. You, do you guys think he survived? I want him you know, to. I I want more Kino. I I get but, this feeling he did. Well, he may be alive. The question, sorry, he may not have uh, been killed by the Empire, but I don't suspect he's in a great place after this episode. I'd like, like to. Th- I can't see the Empire being very forgiving of him. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Doing not- everything that he's done here. Right. I'd like to think that he jumped anyway and that someone helped him in some way. But I don't know. Everyone was rushing. It's it's hard to it's hard yep. to tell. Yeah. I, I want him to have survived. Uh, but I think that's more, you know, uh, wants of the heart than realistically in the mind, as it were, because. Right. Yeah, it's not it's not great. Yeah. No. No, well, I, it, if it if it gives us any solace, Tony Gilroy in an interview said he likes to think that Kino Loy survived. So, not a confirmation, but it's it's what he thinks at least. I can honestly, my hope would be in season two we see Cassian run into him, rescue him, um, you know, something something along those lines. I I don't know if it's likely, but you know, I can I can dream. Yeah. I would, well, I would think the Empire at this point, if there was that big of an escape, they're going to make sure that it's going to be pushed under the rug. They're not going to let it known that, what, about 5,000 escapees? Oh, no. Let's rough estimate. Not at all. You know, got out and, and only once. If they basically got rid of a full floor of of detainees because one guy accidentally came back in, they're not going to sit there and let word get out that 5,000 people escaped. No, there's no way they they are. They're taking them out. <laughs> there's there's no way. Uh, also, I just love someone. Someone mocked up a um, uh, uh, an image of Kino Loy <laughs> right before he says, "I can't swim." Where it's like a little floaty and everything. It's hilarious. I just love it online. It's so good. It's so good. We can dream. Oh, yeah. Um, also, I just have to just give the the, the whole uh, team behind Andor props for just how they shot and 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 you know set the scene to to music and everything the the whole prison break right because you get the the at the beginning of the prison break it's complete chaos and they actually it's it's actually pretty brutal many of the of the prisoners actually just die right off the bat. You know, it's not something you mm-hmm. see all the time, right? Where a lot of the heroes just getting are getting cut down left and right. Well, even you got to feel sorry for the guy that basically tipped off the whole prison break. Yeah. Because remember you had to wait for the guy to come in. He was coming down with one guard. This guy had absolutely no idea what was going on. And you even saw him with his hands behind his head before he got on that platform, scared to death. And he was the first guy gone, not knowing what was going to happen. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I gotta yeah. say the the Empire really needs to like train its like officers better because I feel like they could have avoided a lot of this very easily if they'd like been a little bit less reactive. Like, they're yeah, they're throwing wrenches at you. That's annoying. 
But like, well, did you, is that really the issue here? Is that, are the wrenches being thrown or is it the people climbing underneath you that you should be aiming at and shooting? But I think know? it gets back to, it gets back to, they were understaffed. You only had the one guard that was there. You had one guard basically covering it from, by, from behind. And then you had the one guard at the desk that was basically uh, lowering the platform. So really there was only three. Yes, you had a bunch of stuff thrown at you, but with a determined crowd throwing stuff at you, they 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 pulled it off. You're you're not going to be able to survive something like that. And then once they get into the weapons locker, oh, then all bets are off. Oh sure. By that point, they're 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 done. You know, there's not much they can do. Yeah. And then the it it just gets even better from there as the as the scene goes on and like the especially when once the the enough prisoners escape right that it starts to really build momentum and you see all the prisoners rushing like up the stairwell a phenomenal shot or another one where you see on the the monitors right the, those dots of all the prisoners running toward the exits it yeah. it, it just built up that you could just feel the mm-hmm. swell of emotion and as, the audio design is they're oh. all chanting one way out and yeah. you hear it yep. like muted through walls and as other groups show up like is just phenomenal oh yeah and, and then and and gets- culminating in like when they all start diving out the side off the edge of the prison into the water as the camera zooms out and you just see these white specks diving into the water like oh mm-hmm. it was and just it, beautifully shot and then i get back to all the imperial guards who behind that door listening to all these prisoners chanting one way out I, I would I would be terrified, even though I mean, even though you have a blaster, maybe you have one of the stun guns with you. But there was about like, oh, not enough to sit there and control a crowd like that, all chanting one way out, knowing that you had no chance against somebody who's determined to get out. Yeah, it was just the the entire scene just was got better and better and better and better as it as it went on. I was just so impressed. It was worth worth all of the buildup. Absolutely, like it. The prison break, I'd say, it's kind of straightforward. You know, from mm-hmm. the ex, the formulation of the plan to the execution to jumping off and escaping into you know, swimming, however many miles they end up going. But it's it's just really well done. You know, like it. You feel it the entire time. Yeah, it, yeah. It really does have you on the edge of your seat, and it's just. I was so impressed. It paid off in spades. I think that one thing this show has gotten really good at is, yeah, there's a lot of setup, but then when it gets to the payoff, boy, does it pay it off. It off. Yep. Oh, it, it's been it, very totally. consistent in that. Totally. Which, which now I cannot wait to see what is going to be built up to get to episode 12. Mm-hmm. that payoff's going to be to jump you into the second season. Because well, we only I have mean, two episodes wow. left, you know? Yeah, there's only it, two. Yeah, and and they're they're definitely setting up a lot of the major plot threads that I'm excited to talk about, whether it's, you know, uh, the Mon's, you know, the decision with Davos, Golden, which we'll talk about in a few moments, um, you know, whatever's going on with Marva, uh, the, the Empire closing in on the rebels, right? There's a lot that's happening. Some, whatever happens with Cyril, who doesn't, doesn't show up in this episode. 
there's a there's a lot um that i think will kind of come to a head in the next two episodes before i'm really excited to talk about um the mon mothma scene but before we dive into that uh really quick we got a brief scene uh on on ferrix and marva's not doing well she stopped taking her meds and doesn't want to pretend that she's fine do you guys think this is what will ultimately bring cassian back to ferrix I would think so. That there has to be something to bring him back, but somehow words got to get to him. Yeah, this this was the weirdest kind of out of place scene. I don't I don't know anymore what this is meant to be building to. Maybe it is Cassian's going to come back and then he'll like hook up with Cinta or find Cinta there. But this this entire sequence just feels kind of out of place to me, honestly. I suspect of it'll. I suspect it'll all pay off later but you're right it was kind of out of place initially i do love that though like yep. they're checking in occasionally on marva and and, and the ferrix plot because we thought it was just going to be done for initially you know we don't know what happened to bix we don't know what happened to marva at this point we have two new characters jesse and dr uh momoy who are taking care of marva but you know cinta's watching and there's some other person watching cinta some something's going on I it'll probably my guess is next week start to come to a head more. I think it's in that aspect. I think it's Imperial. I think it's somebody, somebody within the garrison that's on that planet that is also keeping an eye on Cinta. Yeah. Keeping an eye on her. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense there. We've got like a spy counter spy kind of game going. Oh, yes. And we got lots of uh, spy counter spy stuff to talk about in just a minute. But first, um, Mon Mothma. Now, we talked about, I think I've been very vocal about how much I love the Mon Mothma scenes. Although the last two episodes, they kind of tread a little bit more water. Now they accelerate again with the introduction of Davos Skulden, who arrives on Coruscant to meet with Mon Mothma. And it's a it's a brief scene, but it is so again, the writing just shines here where yep. Mon is she doesn't want to reveal too much. She does she cle- clearly, you know, it's just one of those people that you're like you have to deal with but you're just giving very curt answers to. You know, I think we've all felt that where it's like I don't want to deal with you but I kind of have to talk to you. And you totally get that sense from her where she's trying to give as little as possible. And she's like, I just want to get this deal done and over with and get you, get you out of, out of, off of Coruscant. And it takes a turn for the worse. Um, yeah, it, it's, he's a very interesting sort of fellow, like very much like underground gangster kind of vibes or maybe mafia. Like, I don't know what the right, uh, the right description is, but like he, you're to make Slimey a deal, banker. you know. You got a daughter. I've got a son. Maybe we can, you know, work something out. Yeah, and and I, and I can come back to Coruscant every once in a while, you know, because I like it here. Yeah, that was just just to see the buildup of her not wanting to do this, but I loved it when she said that one line, and I cannot remember what it was offhand, but he turned around and said, that was one of the most honest things you've paraphrased. It was one of the most honest things you've said so far. That was so yeah. good. You know, yeah. it's, 
<laughs> oh man. Do you yeah. so they've set up that Mon Mothma and um Perrin were you know married at I think what 15, 14? Uh it sounds very young. like it sounds like they're very that's young. part of Shendrilling culture. Um and now Davo is proposing that, you know, he just have a return invitation with his 14-year-old son and bring him along. And Mon Mothman immediately know, realizes that he's trying to introduce his son to Lita so that hopefully there will be a connection there and maybe a, a more legitimate future for Davo Skolden uh, and his family. And it's also something that would hang over her head that he can always oh, yeah. go back and use it yeah. later. Well, because he, you know, because, Hey, we're relatives now. Exactly. And he, he does, he refuses any money. He, the only way he'll help Mon is with, is if she does this for him. Do you guys think she'll like, what, what do you think will happen? Will she go I, through with it? I think she will. My, yeah. my take on a lot of her story at this point is, it is Mon Mothma is getting to question exactly how far she'll go in pursuit of the rebellion. Can she sign off when she knows what Luthen has done on Aldani and what it's doing to the rest of the galaxy? Can she move from, you know, passive resistance to active resistance? And now the question is who that is close to her is she willing to give up in order to, uh, you know, give get the rebellion the money it needs? Mm-hmm. And it's not just. I, I think she will and, and will be learned to live with it. And I think the biggest thing with her, it's, it's not who she would give up, but it's like morally, uh, what, what, it, what is she going to give up? It's like, I want this rebellion to succeed, but mm-hmm. how far against my morals or, or my standards am I going to go to make this succeed? Am I going mm-hmm. to put my daughter into this situation because I really want this to succeed? And and possibly go through with this mm-hmm. as disgusting as it's going to be, but wow. I, it, it's fascinating. She, she's almost got herself backed into a corner here. It will be interesting to see if there's a way they can figure out to get her out of it, though. Yeah, I mean, you know, I guess Mon could rationalize it as being, well, it's just he's, you know, Davo and his son are just coming to Coruscant. They're we're not, you know, you know, they're not going to get engaged or anything, and they they might meet briefly and that's it. And it's maybe she rationalizes, well, it's just a meeting. Right. And maybe if she, you know, if I warn Lita, then, you know, everything will be okay. I think the challenge is that Lita doesn't really trust her mother. Yeah. And so, you know, we've been been speculating, well, maybe she finds out about what Mon is doing. Maybe it's, maybe she doesn't, maybe it's more her mom tries to warn her and she's like, I don't trust you. I'm going to go the opposite way and runs right toward uh, Davos' son. Or conversely, maybe Mon pushes so hard that Lita discovers what her mom is up to. I'm. There's a lot of ways they could take this story. Yeah, and they could also make it push more toward her father and really start the fireworks going between mm-hmm. the three of them. Yeah. Yeah, it's it is a very interesting wrinkle. Like you guys, I think Mon will probably go through with it as well, but 
it's kind of an icky situation, that's for sure. She will really have her hands dirty in, in a way that she probably at this point did not expect she would go and do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's that's the challenge to her. How far is she willing to go? Who will she sacrifice? You know, it's... <laughs> yeah, it's a dangerous game. I mean, and this brings us in some ways, I think, to Luthen's story, where he uh, enumerates very clearly what he is willing to sacrifice as oh. he uh, confronts the mole. I, this, man, this is just another brilliant scene in this episode. Um, the, you know, we, we learned that there is a mole who wants to meet with Luthen for the first time in over a year or, or someone, we don't know it's a mole. There's mm-hmm. someone who wants to meet with Luthen for the first time in over a year. I was not expecting it to be a mole in the ISB though. Su- none other than supervisor Lonnie Jung, who we've seen in the background throughout the entire season and works yep. for Deidre Miro. I was going to bring oh. that up. Totally caught me off guard. I loved I, it. I was not expecting it either. And oh, it's it's so good. Now, it's, now bef- before we get to that. Uh-huh. Okay. So, they set the trap. The ISB set the trap with the rebel pilot. Yeah. Okay. And they're making everything play out. Everything's playing out the, exactly like they planned. The thing that caught me off guard was when Lonnie was like, made that suggestion to say, hey, if we don't sit here and just like, let's say, poke our nose to investigate this, it might tip off the rebels because this all of a sudden. It, it appeared weird that we were not just casually coming by to poke into this, but to see Deirdre kind of look at him and, and walk off. How did you read that of her leaving? Was it like she felt betrayed or she felt like that, you know, why didn't I think of that or what? Because that, that was like, I, I found that fascinating and, and, and difficult to read her reaction to his recommendation because because hmm. the guy agreed with her. His, her, his superior, her superior agreed with him. You know, I I did. I, I missed that. I missed that. That look. I, I just assumed. She, yeah, she just looked at him and stormed off. That's yeah, I'm that. not. I'm not sure. I, I noticed it, but I. I took it as a little bit more of just the ISB being the ISB and Deidre thinking that this was a mistake. Yeah. Uh, a, mis- a mistake to, to but, basically have somebody casually go by or, um, uh, um, a mistake to not pursue it more fully or leave it alone. You know, okay. I, I guess either way, it doesn't really matter. Cause again, Lonnie goes running straight to Luthen cause he wants out. He is done being a mole in the ISB. And that is, I don't, I don't know if you get to go out, you know, like, hey, you are on the one hand, you have Luthen, who is very clearly a dangerous individual. And on the other hand, you've got the ISB. They're, I don't know that there's a happy ending for this. No. And, and that's exactly no. what Luthen. I mean, I think that's exactly what Luthen tells him. Lonnie tried to get out. Right. He came to Luthen with multiple pieces of information. Right. He was like, well, um, you know, they're on to you. Right. They're they're on to 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 axis and luthan just 
again, like he did with Saw, plays it off. Uh, you know, we weren't, we had nothing to do with Aldani, right? We were invited, but we declined. We don't build on luck. It's not, not, not us. And so he tries again. And he's like, okay, well, you know, they're, uh, they're, they're gonna attack. They know about Spellhouse. They're gonna, they're gonna, uh, they're gonna counterattack. You wanted, uh, you know, Saw Guerrero to help Anton Krieger, and Saw refused, and now Anton Krieger is gonna his his fifty you know his fifty uh soldiers are all gonna die mm-hmm. and luthen's again like what? you know i mean you're more valuable I, if we, <laughs> that's I the price to his new business yeah. i yeah. love his line where he's like no like you know what i am letting 50 people die because you are that important yeah mm-hmm. it is i mean it's it it's a very classic like uh like uh what do you know a tactical question like you know a spy tells you that one of your cities is about to be overrun do you uh reinforce the city do you do nothing mm-hmm. in order to leave the spy in a place um mm-hmm. Knight, even knights of the old republic has this question as a way of like sussing out the difference between uh like light side revan and dark side revan yeah uh, which is a very very deep cut but that's fine <laughs> <Kind of love>. uh, <laughs> good one but this is just it's such a great conversation and i i love Lonnie. you know he talks about you know he's got a daughter uh, a child now a wife He's concerned, and I just love, you know, he's like, I don't what have you sacrificed, Luthen? What have you done? And Luthen oh, just God. One unloads yeah. on just, I've sacrificed everything. Best Calm, speeches, kindness, kinship, love, inner peace. It is just, I, yeah. I feel like Luthen's been a little weak the last couple of episodes, just like he hasn't had a lot to do. And this was a, like, no, this is, this is the Luthen I enjoy watching. Yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely. Yeah. They did just such a good job on this entire scene. That whole, that monologue in particular is just, I, I, we keep saying it, right? Everything in this episode is just so good, but that, 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 that monologue and how he talks about how he, he's given up everything and there's, he has no hope for inner peace, right? He, Mm -hmm. he wants to help people. And he knows he'll never be thanked. He'll never get the credit. But 15 years ago, he came to the conclusion that the only way to, 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 uh, you know, for, for peace is to fight back against the empire. Right. And he, he's, he's an accelerationist. He, he knows that he needs to accelerate things to make progress. And that's, that's how many revolutionaries do it. And that's what he has to do. And, it doesn't matter. He will give up everything for that goal. And it's, you almost feel would bad you, for him in some ways. Yeah. You know? Yeah. W- would you say, William, that Luthen said there was, you know, he had 15 years ago, he looked, looked to the future and saw that there was only one way out. Perhaps? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, but it's just, well, I, I think even, I think even during that speech, he said all the sacrifices. I think he may have mentioned, he probably won't even see it succeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, he said, yeah, it's it's something he's burned his future for a sunrise he'll never see. It's just yeah. uh it, it it's just so well written and so well acted. So so riveting. And he's that basically speech. Yeah, and he's basically telling, you know, Supervisor Lonnie, sorry, dude, you know, you're stuck. Uh I'm stuck. We need you. I don't care that you've got a baby. I don't care that you're done. You want out, right? It doesn't matter what you give me, you're in there, and that's the way it is. And, and you know, Lonnie, he 
what's he going to do? He can't go to the Empire and say, oh, I'm a spy, right? They'll, they'll kill him regardless. Uh, and so he's he, he's stuck too. Mm-hmm. And then I just love how that elevator door just almost slams shut on him. And it's like, you're done. Like, mm-hmm. go. Yeah. Oh. The, it's yeah. Just, just what an episode. Terrible. Yeah. Just a totally, just, totally great episode. They, I, I really feel like Andor has mastered the art of the like dramatic monologue in a mm-hmm. lot of ways, like Luthen, Andor, Kino. Mm-hmm. Um, they just all, all of them just have amazing speeches. Like yeah. hats off to the writers and actors for and directors and everyone involved. Like just, I feel like every episode brings just some really weighty dramatic moments, and it's just mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's it's by far the best written show uh, or Star Wars project probably ever as far Absolutely. as like the dialogue and, and and that sort of thing. It's it, it it's just outstanding on every level. Yep. 100%. Yep. Well, should we, should we get into our ratings? I think we should. Okay. Uh Steven. Oh, okay. Um just Easy nine and a half out of ten Womp Rats. Like, probably one of the strongest episodes from the entire season. Like, the heist episode was also really good. Um, but just, honestly, firing on all cylinders. Uh, every story felt like it had weight and payoff. Um, and, yeah, like, no notes, you know? Just, I... Actually, does this deserve a ten out of ten? Mm. You know what? <laughs> I... I'm actually trying to think of something like maybe the stuff on Ferrix I kind of don't care about, but like I think I, just, I, 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 think... I struggle because I don't like to give perfect scores, which is maybe that's petty of me. Um, I'm just gonna give this a ten out of ten. Like it's okay. just it's that good of an episode. I really wouldn't change anything if given the choice. Yeah. Um, just my ten Womp Rats, you know, deleted scene. Obviously, they they had to cut it from the episode, unfortunately. But it is of course ten Womp Rats booing uh kino and helping him swim to shore where he escapes <laughs> and uh will eventually join the rebellion so uh too funny perfect. too too funny i love it okay um i'm gonna go next because i'm gonna echo exactly what uh steven said i have to give this an episode uh 10 out of 10 um i can't overlook the ferrix part of it because the rest of it just outshine that little itty bitty bit that is probably setting up something in the next episode or the finale. But my God, what an episode. My 10 Womp Rats. See, when Cassian was sitting there at that little um, uh, water uh, water junction that he's sitting there sawing at, when he was able to get it open and he got the water spread all over the floor, it actually had the Womp Rats sitting there pushing it more to get more water out. Sadly for the 10 Womp Rats, when the guard up in the guard area went to go activate the floor to basically like make the 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 inmates like go to program or shock them they didn't make it to the table on time they got shocked so all 10 of them got shocked when the guy pulled the lever and then actually at that point because they got shocked it blew out the electricity in the building so that's my 10 womp rats but outstanding episode just just 10 out of 10. You know, it's, it's funny. I, I was Steven, I was going through the same, uh, decision-making process as you before we started this episode. 
this is just so good. I think the the prison break episode scene was just fantastic. The Luthen speech, fantastic. Mon Mothma and what she's struggling with, fantastic. Um, I don't know if there's anything you can critique about this episode. And so, like you guys, I you know I'm I have to give it a ten out of ten as well. And these ten womp rats are, uh, you know, Luthen doesn't doesn't reveal this to Supervisor Lonnie, but he has ten womp rats in the ISB too that are also moles, just in case, keeping Lonnie in line. But uh, oh, so good. This was just a phenomenal, phenomenal episode, and I am so yeah. excited to review and or episode 11 with you guys. Next Absolutely. Week. It will be next week is Thanksgiving here in the U S but we will have a new episode for you just before Thanksgiving. So stay tuned for that. And then uh, after Thanksgiving, we'll come back with our review of the season finale. So, um, Oh, this is going to be great. If you aren't watching Andor, well, why did you listen to this whole review? Um, <laughs> but if by some chance you did and you ha- are not watching Andor, go watch it and go tell your it, friends. Please. It's so good. It's so good. Um, but yeah, I think. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I think, Such a good episode. Yeah. And with that, thank you guys as always. And we'll be back next week with our review of episode 11. Thank you for listening to the Ion Cannon podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. For over a decade, Ion Cannon has covered every corner of the saga, from the films and animated series like The Clone Wars and Rebels, to books, comics, games, and more. If you like what you hear, please rate us in your favorite podcast client. Your review will help this show grow within the Star Wars community. We can be found at our website, ioncannoncast.com, and you can follow us through Facebook and Twitter. To email us, you can do so at contact at ioncannoncast.com. The Ion Cannon Podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, The Walt Disney Company, or any and all of their respective trademarks or copyright holders. Any opinion expressed on the show are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production by fans, for fans, and is copyright 2018.